featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. We are on lesson two in a series titled Culture Clash. We're not talking about the part of culture that, you know, has to do with styles of clothing, hairstyles, music styles. Uh, God really doesn't care about all that. What we're dealing with is the part of culture that disagrees with the scriptures. And when you and I decide to live by the scriptures, we're going to clash with culture. And this is all about helping us understand how, how to deal with it and the attitude we should have and what God is looking for and expecting out of each and every one of our lives. And if you weren't with us in lesson one, I wanted you to walk out remembering this. We are called to be clean in a corrupt culture. And today we're going to go a different direction. We're going to have a blast today. Now, I remember when I was in sixth grade, uh, my teacher wanted us to read a book and then do an oral report. And I used to love to read, so that wasn't a problem. And I, I picked up reading because I was grounded so often in the summer. No TV, no outside. And I loved to read. I was at the library every week just devouring books, and I still, I still enjoy reading. And uh, so that was not the issue. The issue was the oral report. I had never stood in front of a group of people and spoke. And I was so nervous. I mean, I, I read the book, outlined it. That was fine. But I began to practice the oral report. And in my room, as I practiced it, my hands were shaking. No one was there but me. And my stomach was in knots as I practiced. And my voice quivered as I practiced. And finally the day came. And my teacher didn't put me up front. I wish she did. So I sat there so nervous as other people spoke. I didn't hear a word they said. And then when I went up to speak, it was worse than in my room. My body's shaking like this. My voice is quivering. I forgot everything. I, didn't, I did all the work and couldn't remember a thing. And none of it made sense. And, and I remember going to sit down. I was humiliated, put my head down. And I'm leaving class. And the teacher could tell that I was down. And she called me over. And she said, Joe, don't worry, public speaking isn't your gift. So you, she says, just don't worry about it. You, you don't have to do that for a living. And, and uh, she put a label on me, and it wasn't her fault. She needed to say something to encourage me. But it was a label that I accepted for years. And here's what I've learned about labels. Uh, this culture that we live in is going to put all kinds of labels on us. And many times they're contrary to the labels that God has put on us. And today's lesson's going to be all about us breaking loose from those labels. As a matter of fact, I, I want you to walk out of here remembering this truth today. Uh, we are called to cast off culture's labels. And we're going to show you what those labels are, and we're going to have an incredible time as we look at them and show you how God's labeled you and what He's called you and what He declares about you. And this scripture really is what is going to happen today. It's Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. And it, it just, uh, makes this declaration. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. That would be culture. And that's the negative side of culture. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So if we're going to please God in a general sense, and know what his will is in a general sense, we find it in the Bible. Renewing our mind just simply means reprogramming ourselves to the scriptures. And so we find out what God says, and, and, we, and then we discovered, you know what? Cultures told me different growing up. Cultures pounded me with this, but the Bible declares this. And we make a decision to just begin to walk in the Bible, and we say, that, that pleases God? Okay, I'll do that. That makes God happy. 
okay, I'll do that. But what's interesting is culture tries to press us into a mold, and oftentimes when we accept Jesus, we really, we really haven't figured it out, and many of us as Christians, uh, we are walking with culture's labels, we're thinking the wrong way, and so today I want to help us remind some of us, help those of us that are really new, just understand, hey, there, here's the labels God wants us to walk with. So we're going to do that by reading out of the book of Daniel, a story. Now, Daniel was one of the major prophets, and what, what made someone a major prophet or a minor prophet had to do with how long their books were. And so Daniel's 12 chapters, which makes him a major prophet. The minor prophets had powerful things to say, so they weren't minor because they said minimal things. It was just there wasn't a whole lot that they said, very powerful things that they said. The first six chapters of Daniel are historical. The last six are prophetic, and the last six really mirror revelations. They talk about the last days, the end time, that crazy person called the Antichrist that's going to rise up, and at first he's going to be considered a hero, and he's going to make peace between Israel and all those Muslim countries, and everyone's going to cheer, Israel's going to cheer. But then three and a half years into it, you know, he's going to stand up and say, oh, by the way, I'm God, worship me, and it's going to get crazy at that point. And that's all at the second half of uh, Daniel. But we're interested in Daniel chapter 1. It was written about 560 B.C., just before the 400 silent years where the Bible didn't speak to us, and then it began speaking again in Matthew when Jesus was born. And right before then, Israel was disobedient. They were captured and taken away, and there were these four students that were taken away. And we're going to look at their lives today. And as they were taken away into this culture, that new culture tried to label them. This culture, the Babylonian culture, was fascinating. They didn't put you in prison and torture you and to make you conform. They, they didn't do it that way. They just simply re-educated you. They put you in re-education camps, you know, and just flooded you with their culture. And we live in a world today, in this country, as Christians, we're not thrown into jail. We're just reprogrammed. And the, the, the culture programs us from birth. Some of us didn't grow up Christians. Others did, but it's hitting us from day one. And there's a lot of great people in this culture, but many of them believe things that are just not biblical. And so we're being pressed, and we're in re-education camp, so to speak. And what God wants us to do is break off. We're called to cast off culture's um, labels and just say, no, no, that's not who I am. God declares I'm this. And we're going to see that Daniel had to do that too. That's what makes this really cool. And we're going to see these different names that were given to these four Hebrew uh, students. And it's really fascinating because, you know, they weren't all exactly the same age. And, uh, but when they were born, God decided to give these guys specific names. And those names are the labels he wants us to walk around with. And it's fascinating. The Babylonians gave them names that were totally contrary. And that's the culture trying to relabel us and, and call us by something different. So we're going to have this fun time. Let's, let's go to Daniel chapter 1 and let's read uh, the story and uh, we'll get to the verses we need in a moment. It reads like this, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into the hand uh, his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God, these carried off to uh, these he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Now, not all of Israel was backslidden or walked away from God, but their king was, and their leaders were. 
So Daniel and these other three, three students, they were horrified. The temple where they worshiped God was, uh, was destroyed. These beautiful articles of gold and silver were taken off. And these guys are now in a new land and they're in a new culture and they don't know what's ahead of them. So notice what happens in verse 3. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, and we'll see him again, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. This is the re-education. And it's fascinating. Take a look at what it goes on to say. Verse 5, The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years. So this is three years of re-education. That's a long time. And after that, they were to enter into the king's service. We're going to talk about the food when we close today. There's something really cool connected with the food situation there. But notice verses 6 and 7. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Those are the four labels God wants us to walk through this earth with. The chief official gave them new names. This is what culture is going to try to label you and I. To Daniel, the name Belshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, uh, Meshach and to Assyria, uh, Abednego. So we're going to take a look at these names and what culture tries to label us versus what God labels us. And again, it's fascinating to me that when these guys were born, God said to the parents, he dealt with the parents' heart, name him Daniel, name him Mishael, name him Hananiah, name him Azariah. He, 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 he wanted to teach you and I something today. That's fascinating to me. It's incredible. And it's amazing how, how he did it. So I want you to know up front, I did my homework. I looked in the best Hebrew name dictionaries, the best Babylonian dictionaries I could find. And I'm accurate with these names. And I simplified a couple. So when I, I simplify one, I'll tell you why. And I'll tell you what it was and how I simplified it. So you'll see that I didn't change any, any of these names. So let's talk about Daniel first, okay? And many of us know the definition of Daniel, uh, his name. It means God is my judge. And this is a really, really cool label. And God wants you and I to wear this label through the culture that we walk through. God is my judge. And I want to make sure you understand what we mean by that. So here's some scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, 9 through 11. So we, the Christians, make it our goal to please God, whether we are at home in the body or away from it, which would be heaven. And wherever we're at, our goal down here or up there, and up there it's obvious, it's going to be to please God. Verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, while we live down here as Christians, whether good or bad. Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade others. Now others is referring to Christians. So part of what Paul did, he didn't just try to lead people to Christ. He also tried to lead Christians to living a life to where they understand God is my judge. And this is really important for you and I to understand. And because of the world we live in and because it's not real clear, I want to make sure we're all clear on what the judgment seat of Christ is. Jesus will judge everyone, but there's two judgments. One is the judgment seat of Christ. That's for Christians. And then one is the great white throne judgment. If you want to read about it, it's Revelation 20. The great 
white throne judgment takes place at the end of the thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ on the earth. And that's where everybody that's not a Christian will be judged. And that's where the Bible says the books are taken out. It's the books of works. And people, one at a time, will come before the great white throne. And everything they ever did is going to be in that book. And then Jesus is going to look at them, because they'll have some good things in that book, really good things. And Jesus is going to have to say, and he dreads this day. That's why he tells you and I, bring people to church, encourage people, tell them about Jesus. Because he'll have to say to them, your works are not good enough for you to go to heaven. And that's why it goes on to say in Revelation 20, whose ever names weren't written in the book of life, they're cast into that awful place that's called the lake of fire. God dreads that day. God's asked you and I, help, help me pull as many people away from that day as you can. That's why at Believers we exist to see a city connected with God. We don't only want to mature Christians, which we're doing, we'll continue to do. We also want to rescue as many people from that day of judgment. Now the judgment seat of Christ, guys, totally different. We just read about it. That's where Christians go. And that's not to determine whether or not you get to go to heaven. And you should be excited about that. We're not saved by works, but we're saved by grace. Jesus died for our sins, past, present, and future. And that is important for you and I to understand. And I have people, whenever I, I talk about this in the lobby, someone will grab me, and they're very sincere, and I never mind when they do, but they'll say, Pastor Joe, I can't agree with you on that. And here's what they'll tell me. You mean to tell me that if a Christian was practicing sin and Jesus came back, that they wouldn't go to hell because they were practicing sin at the time? And I always say, well, you're either saved by grace or you're not. You're either saved by his grace and not your works or you're not. But then I like to say this to people. Every one of us right now in this room are sinning. Because if you put yourselves up to the standard of God, we're all missing it somewhere. I mean, God's perfect. I bet you every one of us said something we shouldn't have said. That's sin, right? Every one of us thought something we shouldn't have thought. It might not be bad, but all of us are messing up somewhere. If you put yourself up to Jesus, we're all messing up really bad. But aren't you glad you're saved by grace and washed by the blood of the Lamb? And all of us are striving until the day Jesus comes. I'm going to keep striving to become more like him, but I'll never reach that goal until I'm in heaven and I'm changed in a moment in the twinkling of, of an eye. So I always tell people, uh, no, a Christians go to heaven. That's where we go. But here's what God wants you to see. Whether or not you lived for him and how, how, how full blast you lived for Jesus, you'll be judged for that. And, and I say to people, if you're strayed from God in your heart, we call that backslidden in the church. But if you're not living for God, if your heart's far from God and you're a Christian, um, think of all that time that you're strayed from God, guess what you're not doing? You're not living for God. And, and the Bible teaches us at this moment, God's going to reward us. And those rewards, they're called treasures and rewards, and they stay with us for all of eternity. And so God is my judge. And it's important for you and I to realize there's a day where we answer to our maker. <clears throat> and I don't know, you know, if, if, I, <clears throat> if I kept falling in an area and never repented, I'm sure Jesus may deal with me on that, but I don't go to heaven because I'm perfect, and some people have, they'll argue with you over that and argue, and, and again, I just tell them, 
We're all sinning somewhere. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. And, and I always tell people, if you want to think that way, that's fine. I've made a decision not to take a chance. <laughs> so I'm just going to live as holy as I can and repent every time I get a chance. Uh, but I'm not walking around thinking God's going to throw me in hell because God isn't. If you've accepted Christ, you get to go to heaven. But you know what I'm going to do? My wife won't be there to protect me. My mommy and daddy won't be there. Nobody will be there. I can't blame the kids. I can't blame my wife. I can't blame you. I'm going to stand before Jesus and answer for how I lived my life. And that's going to happen for me as an individual like everyone in here. And Daniel is the label where we walk around saying, I will be judged by God. I have to stand before my maker. And take a look at the name that they gave him. They didn't, they didn't like that. They didn't want to live submitted to the God of the Israelis and our God. So they named him Belshazzar, which means Bel will protect. And Bel was the national god of Babylon, and uh, he would have been an idol that the Jewish people considered that they worshipped. And what they're saying to him is, you don't have to worry about God. Your God, don't worry about your God. Our God will protect you from that judgment. And Daniel saying, no, 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 I'm not going to accept that label. And I like to say it this way. Culture will tell you your actions have no consequences. And our actions do have consequences. And again, I don't know how it's all going to work out. I just, I just don't want people walking around down here thinking they're not going to heaven if they accepted Jesus. But you know what else I want to do? I don't want people walking around down here thinking their actions don't have consequences. And, and that's, that's a label God wants you to wear that I have to answer to the king. And you know what I want to hear on that day? And, and, I, and I'm, honest, I'm being honest with you when I say this. Everyone that calls believers home, one of the things I pray is, Lord, let there be a fire inside them, a desire to follow you, live full blast for the kingdom, because I want you to hear, and I want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. How many of us want to hear that on the day? There's consequences. Let me ask you a question, guys. Do we live in a culture that's telling us there are no consequences? Just live any way you want, make your own rules. We live in a culture like that, and that's not how it is. Take a look. The next ones are happy. So take a look at Hananiah. That means favored of God. And this is really, really important. Here's a verse. Uh, James 1, 2 says this. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. And you may wonder why I picked this, but I'll read a verse here down below and you'll know why I picked it. But in James, God's telling us how to handle adversity, how to handle all kinds of bad things that come into our lives. And as you read down from this verse, here's what's being said. God says, you know what adversity will do for you? It's like gold going into a fire. And when gold goes into a fire, all the, all the impurities bubble out and it becomes pure. And God says our hearts are made pure and we grow and we mature as we go through tough times. But then he goes on to say this. This is really important. You know the next thing he says? He says, but let no man say when he's tempted that he's tempted of God, for God tempts no man with evil. And here's what God's saying. He's saying, I do not want you to walk around saying God brought bad into my life. No, you know what God did? He knew that you and I live on a broken earth. The earth is broken. We live with broken people. People are broken. People do bad things. I mean, can we all agree? Uh, at every level, people do bad things. And, and then we have an enemy who's trying to bring bad things into our life, and we have an earth that's broken and does all kind of crazy things, you know, whether it's storms or earthquakes or whatever. We just live in a crazy world. And God's saying to us, I want you to know 
I'm not bringing that into your life. And he's saying, Hananiah, you're favored. God's the one that brings favor and blessing into our life. And so after everything I just told you, uh, listen to this next verse, verse 16. I told you all the verses between. Here's verse 16. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. The verse before says God tempts no man with evil. So he said, don't, don't be misled. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down from, to us from God, our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes. How many of you like that? God doesn't change. Or cast a shifting shadow. He's saying there's no darkness in God. If, 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 if you want to know what's coming from God, it's the good blessings. God's bringing blessing into your life. And I like verse 18. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we out of all creation became his prized possession. Think about that. You're God's prized possession. He's not bringing bad into your life. Bad happens, but God's not bringing it in, man. It just is not God. And when I see the word precious possession, um, I think of some things that were precious in my life. And of course, things of this earth are never precious for long. But I remember the first time I bought a new car. I was uh, somewhere 30 years old or so. And I had never owned a new car, and I bought this new Pontiac, and I was so excited because it's my first new car. And I brought it into the garage, and, and I remember the first couple weeks, I walked out there, it had to be a hundred times, and just any time of the day, I walk out there and I would just stare at it. Oh, you're so beautiful. I have a new car. It doesn't have a dent on. How many of you know that doesn't last long? But it didn't have a dent on. And then we had young kids at the time, and that interior became really dirty pretty quick, and you try your best to protect it. But it was precious to me. And I just imagine God with his hands cupped. You know, he has big hands, and his hands are cupped. And I just imagine us standing in his big hands and, and him standing there admiring us. Did you know that when you wake up, God smiles? See, some of you, that, you, you can't even believe it. God smiles when I wake up. Yeah, God loves you. You're favored of God. And, and this world, this culture wants to tell us different. Take a look at the name they gave him. They gave him Shadrach. You know what that means? Fearful of God. And so the world wants us to be afraid of God. And I like to say it this way. Culture will tell us God is bad. And doesn't culture try to scream that out? They either tell us God doesn't exist or God is bad. And they want to blame everything on God. And when you study the Bible, God's telling us, no, I favor my kids. You're favored of God. And we need to scream out to culture and, you know, and say to culture, no, no, Hananiah, I am favored of God. Now, I don't do this often, but would you humor me today? Would you say this after me? Say, I'm favored of God. Favored of God. Say, I'm precious to God. For some of us guys, we don't know, should we say we're precious? Yeah, yeah, you're precious to God. Man, you are precious to God. And, and God just absolutely loves you, and God is bringing good. And culture's telling you, you need to be fearful of God. And how many of us know that if we're fearful of God, we avoid God? And God's telling you, hey, don't be afraid of me. I'm, I'm the good guy. I'm bringing good things into your life, and culture's trying to destroy you, and the world's trying to destroy you. And here's what God's saying. I'm the God that delivers you from evil, so come to me when trouble's coming. Don't blame me. Come to me. God wants you to wear that label. How about the next name, Michelle? I love this name. You know it means God-like? That's pretty cool. The literal translation here just simply means this, who is what God is. If you were to literally translate Michelle, it means who is what God is, and that's why I just said God-like, because it's the same thing. So I'm always careful to say this because I know there's always, there's critics that will criticize you for 
anything you say. So I always qualify things like this. I'm not saying we're part of the Godhead, okay? You and I are not part of the Godhead. Uh, we're, we're not God, but we're like him. The Bible says we're created in his image and in his likeness. That's, that's in your Bible. And I love this verse of scripture, Colossians 1.22. This is what the Bible says about you. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ. So if you accepted Christ, you're reconciled. It goes on to say in his physical body, as a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Now, if you're here and you can't believe that about yourself, we need to get a new label on you. I used to love the Three Stooges growing up, and then when my kids were young, I introduced them to the Three Stooges, and we would sit and roll, and one of the things that happened a lot in the Three Stooges, if someone were, were greeting them and said, hello, gentlemen, they would always turn around and see who they're talking to behind them. They couldn't see themselves as gentlemen, and I really believe when, when we read a scripture like that, we're like the Three Stooges, like, who are you talking to? That's not me, and you know what? The Bible declares you're godlike. Because you accepted Christ, you are holy, blameless, and without fault before God. And I'm convinced we'll never want to be free from sin until we can see we're free from sin. We'll never want to live the life until we can see that's who we are. So I live for God, and I want to stay pure, and I want to be clean in, in an unclean culture because I am clean. I'm God-like by birth through Jesus Christ. And listen to what the world tries to do to us. Here's the name they gave Michelle. It's Meshach. And you know what this name means? It means sin-like. Can you imagine that? And, and I'll tell you the literal. This is not the literal. Here's the literal translation. Literal translation says, uh, who is like a coup. A-K-U, a coup. A coup was the moon god. And in 560 when this was written, here's what historians tell us. A coup's name was synonymous with sin. And so when they named him who is like a coup, they were saying, who is sin like? And that's why I just made it simple so you and I can understand it. But I want you to know I did my homework. Who is sin like? So God's telling us you're God like, and the, lab the label of the world is you're sin like. And I like to say it this way. This makes sense. It goes like this. Culture will tell you you were born that way. And isn't that what culture does, guys? They try to tell you and I we're born that way. They try to tell our kids you were born that way. And you take any, any sin in this world, and what they try to say is, you know what, it's not my fault. I was born that way. Then they say, well, the Bible, you know, that's old, it's outdated, and God just doesn't understand our culture, and you were born that way. Now, I'll give you this. We were born sinners, weren't we? Yeah, we were born that way, but we're no longer that way. And the world's trying to tell us, you were born that way. And we're declaring, no, we're a new creation in Christ, and we're holy and blameless and without fault, and we can live it. We can live it. Now, is it true that you and I, every one of us in this room, we could stand up? I call it our, our flesh specialties. Don't we all have flesh specialties? Things we're really, you know, we have propensities toward. So yeah, do we all have a challenge in one area or another? And some of us have challenges in one area, and others we don't have it in that particular area. One of the things I struggled with like crazy was anger. And, and I struggled with anger growing up, and, and I would get so mad I'd punch walls and put holes in walls. And, and I have a funny story. When Gina and I were young, young and newly married, where 
we got in this all-night argument. It was all night we argued, and I wasn't stopping until I won, and, and uh, sh she knew I was wrong, but I didn't want to admit I was wrong, whatever, and I got so mad that night, I punched a wall, and I hadn't done that in years, and that label came back on me, you're an angry man, Joe, and uh, I had to lie to my dad, because I had him fix it, and uh, I had to tell him the door did it, and I, he, he had to know that it was a fist hole, but, uh, but I just got upset, and I had to repent, and I had to apologize. But you know what? We all have propensities, don't we? We do. And I have people tell me, I was at a minister's conference, and the guy that introduced me, I've known him for years, and, and he just said, Joe's one of the most gentle, sweet people. And I got up there and said, well, well that, that's not 100% true. I, I, I have to walk in God to be that way because I, I, I'm just not that way by birth. And, and uh, you know what? The world would love me to wear that label, would love you to wear your labels, and they want us to say we were born that way. But you know what? That was a problem I had many years ago. I, I don't have outbursts of anger anymore. Uh, I, I've learned that I'm holy and blameless in God's sight. But do I have a propensity? Oh, yeah. Could I go there? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ask my kids. I blew up on them a few times when they were young. Yeah, I can go there. I scared the heck out of them. Because when they, they hear you scream out of control, that scares them. <laughs> Azariah, Azariah. Th that means God is my helper, right? And, and uh, here's a cool verse. Isaiah 43, 2 and 3. Uh, when, you in over your when you're in over your head, I, God, will be there with you. When you're in rough waters, you will not go down. Uh, when you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end. I like to imagine God just blows a hole in the back wall and gets us out. He says, because I'm God, your personal God, the Holy of Israel, your Savior. I love the Message Bible for this verse. And society wants us to believe that God doesn't want to help and God can help. And, and listen to the name they gave Azariah. It means, it's the word abendigo, and it means self-sufficient. So let me tell you how I got this so you understand. It, the literal translation of Abednego is slave of Nebo. So if I wrote slave of Nebo, how many of you would know what that means? None of us would know what it means. What's, what does it mean, slave of Nebo? Nebo was the god of literature and science. And here's the label they wanted to put on these guys. You don't need your god. You don't need god to help. Azariah, you think your god's going to help? Let me tell you how it's done here. Intellect is what's going to save us. Learning more is what's going to save us. You're a slave to literature. You're a slave to science. You're a slave to these things. And that's what's going to help you. And let me be upfront with you. God is not against education. I encouraged all my kids, you know, after high school, go to college. And, and then sometimes we have kids that are so gifted. Some kids are so incredibly gifted in certain areas that college isn't for them. They need a trade school. They need something else because of their gifting. Then there are some folks, they're entrepreneurs, man, and there's some things they'll do without an education, but I always encourage my kids, you know, get your education. I'm for education. I love to read. I love to learn. I love education, but here's what God's saying to you and I. It, it's not going to save us. There are going to be things that we run into that no matter how intelligent we are, we need God. No matter how educated we are, we need God. And this one's simple, but I wrote it out. Culture will tell you, you don't need God. And God's labeling us, I'm your helper. And I want you to walk out of here today. I want you to get into your week this week. And I want you to realize we have to do our part. We don't just sit down and do nothing. 
We give it all the effort we can. We learn all we can. We try as hard as we can. But when we hit a block wall, God's saying, I want to help you. I'll knock a, wall, a hole in the wall you can't get through. I'll knock a hole in the ceiling that you can't get above. And God wants you to wear this label, I'm your helper. How many of us are glad that God's our helper? And no matter what we go down, let, let's, let's go ahead and clap, give it up, man. No matter what we go through, he says, I want to hold on to you. I want to keep you. I want to make sure you get out of that stream that's trying to drown you. That's the God who we serve. So those are the four labels that God wants you and I to wear. Listen to this. So now Daniel has this challenge. Culture is going to challenge him, and it's going to be with food. So let's take a look at his first challenge. And his first challenge is, is simply they wanted him to eat food that God commanded him not to eat. So they wanted him to eat what I would call, you and I would call, unkosher food. And we're not under the law, so we could eat any of this food. But Daniel's under the law of Moses, and he's following it. And he says to Ashpenash, this is the guy training him and, and, and educating him in the Babylonian culture. He says, I can't eat that food. And read the verses today. Ashpenash told him, you have to. If I take you before uh, Nebuchadnezzar in three years and you're scrawny, he'll cut my head off. He said, I'll get my head cut off. I can't. And Daniel's really polite. He says, okay, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. He says, let's do a 10-day test. And 10, 10 is the number for testing in the Bible. He says, let's do a 10-day test. And he said, we'll just eat vegetables. That's all he could find that was kosher there. He said, we'll eat vegetables. And he said, you feed everybody else this food. And he says, check us out. So uh, Ashpenash checked them out after 10 days, and their face was shinier, their hair was better, and they were buffing up, and they were looking good. So uh, he said, okay. He said, I'll let you do this for the three years. So Daniel, he stood up to culture and said, I, I want to do it the way my God wants me to do it. And I want to show you what happens when we accept God's labels and we stand up to culture and we say, you know what, I'm going to do it God's way. Because sometimes we think we're going to fail if we do it God's way. We may be persecuted. Uh, thank God in America we're not thrown into prison or anything like that, but God will be with us in prison too. But, but take a look at what happened. Daniel 1, verse 18. At the end of the time set by the king, that's three years, to bring them into his service, the chief official, Ashpenash, presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. And the king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Aren't you glad that God put his labels on them in this text? So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters. Those were the brightest people of the day in his whole kingdom. Emphasis, ten times better. I'm going to do this one more time. Would you, would you say this word after me? Say, ten times better. Let's say it with a little smile, a little, little happiness. Say it after me. Ten times better. Mm -hmm. How many of you like ten times better? That's awesome. And here's what God's telling Here's the message, guys. You, you walk in God the way God tells you to walk. You, you clash with culture and you say, we're called to cast off culture's labels. And I don't care what culture tells me. They tell me I'm not... I'm born this way. I'm saying I'm not born this way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live the life that God's called me to live. Whatever culture tells us, God's bad. No, God's good. I'm favored of God. I don't receive that label. Uh, God is my judge. I'm living like I have to answer to the master. I'm going to live my life full blast for God and be involved in what God's doing. You begin to live like that, and listen what's going to happen. God's going to put his blessing on your life, and he's going to make you 10 
times better. I want to make a prediction. This isn't thus saith the Lord. This isn't coming out of here. It's just a prediction from scriptures. You ready? The, the young generation right now, guys, the students in junior high, high school, and the children younger, they're going to grow up with the labels of God on them. And I'm telling you, the bosses and the owners of companies out there, they're going to look to hire Christians because they're going to say they're the best workers I have. And they're going to say, wherever I give them to the do, the, hand, the blessing of God is on them, the hand of God is on them. They won't know why, and they're just going to say, I trust them, I'm going to put them over this. They'll be like Joseph was in the Bible. Whatever they touch is going to be blessed. And listen, I have guys tell me all the time, I have friends that tell me, I have this one guy, he works for a secular company, his boss tells him, I am not a Christian. I don't want to be a Christian. But I like you. You're running my company. So he's running the company. God says, the, the boss says, things just go good when you run the company. The boss has paid for him to go on mission trip after missions trip. He pays him. He says, I don't believe in what you're doing, but I like you. And he pays for him to go on missions trip to other countries. I'm telling you, that's what they're seeing. They're seeing a guy that's decided I'm going to wear the labels of God and God makes us better. I'm saying that to encourage you. Everybody my age, a little younger, a little older, man, if we just live with these labels, God's going to bring us to a place to where we're favored wherever we go. Let me ask you a question. How many of you are excited about the four labels that God put on us? Can we just give it up one more time? Let's give it up one more time, man. Yeah. Okay, let's pray. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Father, I love you. I thank you for every Christian in this room, and and, uh, and I do, I do, I'm serious, Lord, There's a, there needs to be snow blessings in their life. They came out today. And, and Lord, on top of that, some of us, you spoke to us during this message, and some of us are going to cast some labels off today, and we're going to begin to declare those incredible labels that you put on us, Lord, that you're our judge, and we're favored of you, Lord. All those incredible, incredible favors were God-like. Thank you, Lord God, that we're like you. And Lord, uh, as we just sit in front of you, thank you for speaking to our hearts. and Lord, thank you for reminding us of who we are. and Thank you for opening up our understanding further in these areas. And Lord, as we go through this week, would you remind us of these things as we go through the week? Thank you for doing that, Lord God, so much. Now, Christians, stay in an attitude of prayer. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor Joe, I'm not sure if I'm a Christian. And I want to be real upfront with you. Here's what I'm not asking you. I'm not asking you if you grew up in a Christian church. I'm not asking you if you're a member of a Christian church. I'm not asking you if you were water baptized. Those are all great things. I'm not asking you to join our church. Here's what I'm asking you. Can you remember a day in your life where you made it personal and there was a moment, not saying wrote prayers week after week in church, but there was a moment when from your heart you said, Jesus, I believe you're the Savior and I receive you today and make a decision to follow you. That's what it means to accept Christ. If you're here and you say, Pastor, I can't remember that day, but I'm ready today. I believe that. My heart's touched. My eyes are open. I believe in Jesus. Would you pray with me right now? Everyone else in the room, would you help them pray? Just say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner. I repent for my sin. And this day, I make a decision to follow Jesus. Jesus, I believe you died for me. God raised you from the grave, and today I receive you as my Savior and make a decision to follow you. Hey, amen. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. 
Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.